Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There is no better group of plants for flower Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Today, I'm joined by a titan of the horticultural industry, the man who set up miracle Grow in Europe and is now the chairman of the great Green Fingers charity, creating gardens for children in hospices. It's John Ashley. My thanks to Westland Horticulture, sponsors of this podcast, and to my producer, Charlie Jones. One of the broadsheet newspapers last Saturday uh, interviewed Matt Appleby. He's got a, a new book coming out on vegan gardening. Oh, and in it, he describes me as a veteran gardener. Now, I'm not sure about that. I mean, veterans, in my mind, are, are people who have done things in the past. And if last week was uh, any guide, I think it'd be fair to say I'm still pretty active, both gardening and in the uh, horticultural world. I must get Matt on again. Uh, uh, I'm not sure about this vegan gardening. I mean, he, he, he won't harm any animal of any kind, you know, so he lets the slugs and snails do their worst apparently puts a few leaves down and hopes to collect some uh, uh, but won't dig because he's afraid of harming the worms makes me wonder when i'm digging and my friendly robin comes to pick up spiders and centipedes should i frighten <laughs> the robin away and then of course he won't use any manures with uh, animal connections fish blood and bone apparently are off the record i mean i I don't know what he does when he goes to the lavatory. I mean, that's animal manure, isn't it? What's he expect to happen to that? Uh, uh, we must get him on and have a, a bit of a debate about veganism in gardening. I mean, I can understand people not wanting to harm animals, and I can understand people not wanting to eat meat, but where do you draw the line on all of these things? Steve and Val Bradley and I are just back from uh, the IPM at Essen, and goodness... There was so much to see. 1,600 exhibitors from 50 countries. How about strawberries? I met a breeder who has a new kind of strawberry that you sow in July. Yes, you sow it. You don't plant runners. You actually raise it from seed. And then it crops from November right round to March, April. It's under glass, of course, with LED lighting and some radiant heat. But I can tell you, they were the sweetest and the best-flavoured strawberries I've ever tasted. And they're already being grown commercially in Holland, and the, the chefs are sort of queuing up for them. I'm just wondering whether it would be possible with these modern uh, small LED light propagating units that you can have in the home, whether we'd be able to grow this strawberry 
it's called Delissimo, on the sort of windowsill. I'll be chasing that up, uh, and if uh, I get satisfactory results, well then obviously we'll be reporting it here. I am slowly digesting everything that I heard and saw at the uh, Garden Centre Association conference at uh, Luton, who, last week, goodness, garden centres have changed. You know, we had the first ones in, what, 1959, 60, 61, I suppose, where it was nothing more than selling plants in pots from sheds in uh, a number of cases. They are so sophisticated now, really huge, one-stop shopping places. I've seen headlines which said that uh, the modern garden centre now competes with the high street stores and those that have huge restaurants and clothing franchises and barbecues, kitchen special sections and farm shops. I mean, it's just unending. We saw pictures from the Barton Grange Garden Centre up near Preston where their flower bowl actually has curling, 10-pin bowling, a cinema uh, and crazy golf alongside what is one of our finest garden centres in the country, I think. I mean, you'd need a day there, I'm sure. And uh, the restaurant is such that uh, (laughs) you'd probably want to go to sleep after you'd had a really good meal there. It it really is uh, an amazing world. We had speakers, too, on what was going to happen to the retail world in the next few years. And quite honestly, it frightened the life out of me. Could you imagine standing in a bus shelter on your way home and and looking to see a whole lot of ready meals in pictures on the wall of the bus shelter and you point your phone at it because most people apparently don't decide what they're going to eat that evening until they're on their way home. And (laughs) you put your mobile phone at whatever of these recipes catches your eye or... (laughs) your taste buds at a particular moment and by the time you come home it's delivered on the doorstep money deducted of course by mobile phone from your account and so you don't do anything at all except just decide and then somebody else worries about everything else i mean it just well stopped me in my tracks and a lot more and the things that companies like amazon are doing you know with their pop-up shops and they say that a lot of clothes retailers won't have clothes anymore. You'll just have a personal stylist. So, you, you know, you go in and they sit you down and get you a nice cup of tea and the stylist comes and chats to you and then they measure you up. And they know, of course, from uh, what you've bought in the past, what your tastes are and uh, what programs you watch on TV and fashions you're likely to be interested in. And so then up on screen comes the sort of clothes they think uh, that you might like and you make your choice and again they're delivered home without you having to carry a bag. Goodness. Times are changing. I'm not sure that I can keep up. The the real beauty to me at the Garden Centre Conference were the rising stars. They select about 20 young people who want to be trained on uh, and this year for the first time they had catering rising stars and so get they get these young people from a number of garden centers across the country get them together and they have uh, workshops they actually took them i think to london and visited 30 coffee shops at great speed just to show them what was happening in the catering front uh, and then uh, the four finalists there was uh, susie jarrett from tong there was ben riding from haskins 
James from Frangoch Garden Centre and uh, Louise Spinks from Ruxley Manor Garden Centre in, in Kent. They were the four who just had four or five minutes to speak to the gathering on what they'd learnt uh, and what they'd done to uh, test the teaching and training they'd had. They were fantastic people, I'll tell you, and it's great to see what just a little bit of encouragement and training will do. I met uh, Will from Barton Grange. Uh, uh, he was a gardening rising star several years ago and came onto our stand at uh, the Chelsea Flower Show and, and had uh, a container that he'd planted. Boy, lovely young bloke. And now in charge, I think, of the uh, plant area at that huge garden centre, Barton Grange. The other thing that interested me no end was that a number of our chains of garden centres are among the national award winners. Blue Diamond, Squires, the uh, Klondike Strike group up in the north, and Haskins, all, you know, sizeable garden centre chains, but competing really very well with the uh, independents who in the past have been the ones with the energy and the entrepreneurial spirit to get things moving. I mean, back into uh, the home plot of a lovely little plot of uh, Hobson's Choice Snowdrop. We went to Anglesey Abbey a number of years ago, my brother, my sister and I, and uh, they had sort of one little snowdrop in a nine-centimetre pot. I don't know what I paid for it, probably £10 a pot, quite a lot of money, well, to me then. Uh, and we each took one home. And my pot is now three clumps and I must have 150 flowers. Uh, and I was wearing one in my buttonhole to the office uh, on Tuesday. And, and, and a chap you know, said, oh, that's a nice flower. And I said, it's Hobson's Choice. He said, that's my wife's favourite film. So uh, once this uh, clump has finished flowering, I must get my trowel out and just pull a little uh, bulb or two off. And, and his wife can have uh, a clump of uh, Hobson's Choice snowdrop. Hopefully it'll grow as well as mine. One other word or two of advice. You know, freesia are very popular cut flowers. And in the early 1970s, they were a major crop in Guernsey. Seed was sown in April. The seedlings grown on in large whale-hide pots outside to be housed under glass when tomatoes had finished. The cool sea air helped no end with the freesia growth through the summer and I seem to remember they had tiles under each pot so that they didn't root through. If you break the root on freesia, it sort of checks the growth quite a bit. So I thought, well, I'd have a go. I sowed a few seeds last April uh, to see how they would grow in my polytunnel. I'm afraid uh, they only got as far as 11 centimetre pots and then everything else I had to do last summer, they got neglected. But there they are, a few of them still in the 11 centimetre pots and starting to throw up flour. I've taken one indoors just to make sure that I can have that fragrance from freesia. And so far, on the ground in the polytunnel, they've survived a frost down to minus seven. So I have my fingers crossed. If they will actually go through the winter, next year I think I might grow quite a few, just so I have some to cut. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, my uh, interview guest this week, uh, well, I don't know what we call him, uh, one of the foundations of the industry, perhaps, John Ashley, uh, I've known for very many years. Uh, and if uh, you want to know about garden products and how to sell them, then John Ashley's your man. And, and uh, now, in retirement, or perhaps I should say semi-retirement, uh, he's the voice and the energy behind the charity Green Fingers. Now, uh, John, you're at Luton Who at the Garden Centre Conference, I believe. That's right, Peter. Yeah, so you're in very distinguished circumstances. Indeed, all the creme de la creme from the industry are here. <laughs> and I've taken you away from them for a few <laughs> minutes. But, John, uh, can we take you right back to your early days on the road as a salesperson? I was a bit upset yesterday when one of the speakers said that we didn't need salesmen anymore. I think we always need salesmen, don't we? I think so. I think certainly in communicating with people and persuading people to grow their business with new products and new ideas is always always a case. When I came out of the forces uh, doing national service out in Malaya in 1958-60, I, I then joined the Quaker Oats Company as a trainee. And in those days, there weren't many supermarkets about, and uh, all the big grocery firms had big sales forces, and they were going around doing 20 calls a day, and uh, the first thing I remember by my sales trainer was to take me out and buy me a hat. And I had to, always had to take your hat in. So you had a sample case and a hat and you didn't know where to put the hat in the bacon slicer or goodness knows what. <laughs> so uh, it was, uh, it was all, I, I look back on those days with uh, great amusement. John, you had to raise your hat though, didn't you? To the oh, potential... indeed. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. You had a formal greeting of the retailer. <laughs> yeah. But you also handled cash in those days. Oh, indeed. You collected accounts and you had to pay the money in the bank. And as you got to know the retailers, they to say, right, here's the invoice, and, and they used to push across a tin. There's one particular retailer. Push it. He said, take, count it out, and uh, I used to count the money out of the invoice, and I said, right, I've got it all, and then go along to the bank and pay it in. But then, John, you were a tour de force with the, the brand Fison, weren't you? Yes, I, I went to um, Manchester Business School. Professor Roland Smith was the big architect in those days, and it, so I suppose it was the equivalent of Harvard. Uh, Quaker sent me on this thing, and they said, where is the disposable, where's business going? Where's disposable income? And they all sort of came up with all these things of, uh, because there weren't many uh, eateries out there. I think little chefs were probably the most uh, modern eating. There was no McDonald's or anything like that. And they pointed to the leisure industry, and in particular, gardening, as people would have more money to spend 
spend on, on leisure pursuits like gardening and doing your, up your bathrooms and kitchens, etc. And by then I'd progressed through the ranks of Quaker. I was sort of the, into the national accounts. Uh, so I looked after half the country of national accounts. The cult was the biggest account in those days, amongst many others. And uh, I uh, saw this advert for Fison's and they were recruiting and I went along to see this chap, and it was the Fison's Agrochemical Division, and they were starting to form a new division in horticulture. And in those days, there weren't many garden centres, very few, in fact. The distribution of garden products went through nurseries and corn seed and pet shops. And that's how I joined the industry in 1972. Very, very different business uh, today uh, than it was then. Uh, but you would have seen the launch of Levington and Compass and things? Indeed, the grow bag was the big one. Uh, yeah. That was the big breakthrough. Levington, we'd just brought over from the commercial side, uh, but they were all big bags. They weren't sort of small bags. But when you see that what we were paying for a bag of compost in those days, it's probably the same amount of money as today. I think it probably is, John, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's quite amazing, these prices. But then you so, moved, yeah. you moved across, uh, because there were two big brands, there was the ICI Plant Protection Correct. and Fison's, and you really battled it out, didn't you, you two? Oh, indeed. Well, they were the killers and we were the growers. I think that's how we, we used to <laughs> phrase it. <laughs> they had all, all, the, all the killing products, and we seemed to have Evergreen and Tom Ryan Brands that have still survived and are there today, very strong brands still. Yeah. But, but, but so why did you change? Because, I mean, you were the man who introduced what I think is one of the greatest characters of all in horticulture, uh, Horace Hagedorn. Well, it was through, uh, really, a mutual friend from ISI, a chap called Peter Koenig, and he phoned me up and said, John, he said, there's an American chap I'd like you to meet, and he's thinking about launching a product in this country. So... I went along and met Horace Hagedorn, who was then, he must have been 70 then, and he had created miracle Grow in the States in the 50s, and he was an advertising man through and through, and he met a chap called Otto Stern, who grew plants, uh, he was an immigrant from Germany, and he went uh, and was uh, used to use, as all people did, advertising in papers, uh, his roses and goodness knows what. And he came to Horace once and he said, Horace, he said, I've got a problem. He said, because the postal system in America is such, by the time the plants get to the people, they're a bit tired and sometimes nearly dead. And uh, can you help? So Horace said, funnily enough, he said, I um, read an article about Rutgers University in, in America. And they were, they were a big uh, research company and this, that, and the other. And uh, he said, let's get in touch with them, see if they can help us make a product. And they went along and saw this chap, and he said, yes, he said, I can get you a formula. And so miracle Grow formula was born. And Horace came back home and he told his wife, Peggy, and they said, uh, she said, well, this is, uh, what are we going to call this product? So she said, well, it sounds a miracle product. And so miracle Grow was, was born. So that's the story of how Miracle Grow came to the states. Behind, anyway, the, behind every man, eh, there's a woman. Absolutely, <laughs> okay. yes, indeed. I didn't know that, John. I didn't realise that Peggy came up with the name. Yeah. That's indeed she did. She yeah. was. She was the. And unfortunately, Peggy died. Um, I never met Peggy, uh, but I did meet Horace, who was a great advertising man. Had actually advertised to say, "I'm a lonely widower." 
<laughs> and, he, and he met Amy, <laughs> and I think you did meet Amy. Oh, his, I did, yes. Uh, his yes. second wife, who was yeah. a lovely lady. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, anyway, the story of Horace in the UK. So we sat down and talked. He said, look, I want to launch my product in the UK, and I want a product champion, and I, I want to use ICI's our distributor, but I don't want to use any ICI people. I want somebody from outside. I want you, uh, somebody who we employ in their sort of operation. And that's how it happened. Uh, so I was working within ICI for for the Miracle Grow company. So I was the first non-American um, to ever be employed by Horace. And in those days, Horace, uh, the Miracle Grow business was relatively small. It wasn't doing a hundred million dollars uh, turnover in the states then. So it still had a long way to come. And when you think that 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 business now, the Scots uh, business and the Miracle Go business that uh, 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 emerged and they took over to control is now a three billion dollar business uh, worldwide. It's uh, it's quite an achievement. But, but uh, John, when you did the introduction of Miracle Grow, it was really uh, the time of organics, wasn't it? I mean, you, you came in at not a perfect time. Oh, indeed. But, but made unbelievable headway in a very short time. And there were competition, of course. There was Bobby Manners Fostrogen, yeah. who was uh, the, really the brand in the soluble fertiliser market. Uh, but uh, the advertising that Horace uh, did, and he created his own commercials, using local people and he identified very quickly that it's good to have regional accents so we had to recruit gardeners who had used it in the early days a scotsman a yorkshireman irishman uh, or ladies uh, to make the commercials and they came across very very sincerely that they were good gardeners and they knew that this product worked for them and so it just boomed you know it just went from strength to strength Amazing. i think we broke even in year two so that was uh, spending a million pounds on advertising every year so that was quite a feat and quite a story john yeah. indeed quite a, a long journey but yeah. very enjoyable and meeting you in the early days uh, we've had many great events and you've done great work in the sun with the all the articles and the competitions that we ran. Well, Pots of Gold was fantastic, wasn't it? We, yes. we saw, had some really beautiful gardens, pictures of gardens sent in on the Pots of Gold we competition. We certainly did. Yeah. But then, John, you've done a you know, pretty good, hard-working life in the, the garden chemicals business, uh, and then you went into uh, uh, Scottsdale Garden Centre and gave a bit of help there, didn't you? That's right. Well, when I was sort of part-retired, although I still worked for, when I stood down from being sales and marketing director, of the uh, because we eventually took over Fice, uh, uh, ICI and Fison's, so and then spread into Europe and took over uh, Rongpolonk in in the gun product side, as they were being shed by their ad, uh, parent companies, um, and we launched in Holland and France and Germany. So we built the European side fairly rapidly in the 90s. It was quite uh, quite a busy time one way and another yeah. so um yeah it was quite a quite a time but your relationship with scottsdale would just have been uh, as a non-executive yeah, director or oh, no no yes i went in there purely because i when i, I lived in cambridge and and scottsdale's were uh, uh, sort of the my, my test bed i used to try ideas out there and they were very helpful and met uh, david rayner who was the owner and uh, his daughter caroline who was the md and uh, I went in there and helped them do some marketing, and uh, we eventually joined a big Tillington buying group. 
And so it was just uh, getting into retail, which was again another very interesting side. So, but I've uh, I've sort of I've reached eighty this January, so I, I decided it was high time that I could let the jobs on. Come, come on now, young lad like you, you know. <laughs> well, we're not all like you, PC. You know? <laughs> However, I'm going to have a pacemaker fitted in February, so I'm hoping to catch up with you. <laughs> But, but John, I mean, you're now, you know, the voice and some of the energy of uh, this wonderful charity, Green Fingers. Uh, you know, when you were showing a little film yesterday at the conference, I mean, it yes. was a real tearjerker. Yes, it is. Uh, I mean, Green Fingers, just tell us a bit about it and what well, you're doing. Well, Green Fingers started by Peter Jack... Uh, Peter... Um, Richard Jackson. Richard Jackson. Yep. I was thinking of Peter Jackson from Scottsdale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Richard Jackson, and he... Um, he is QVC, but I used to work with him at Fison, so we go back a long way, um, 1972, and his wife, Val, she was also at Fison. So it was very much a, a breeding ground, not only for marriages, but for, for talent that came, has come through over the years. Um, and he, um, he started it, and the idea of, and uh, got a few people together. And I, he asked me to join early on, but as I was so busy, I just couldn't devote any more time at that time to that. But I did join about 15 years ago as a trustee, and I've been a trustee there. But we've built 55 gardens for children's hospices in 20 years, which is a tremendous feat. We do about three a year, and um, but as time's gone on, it's got more and more difficult um, because the needs of the children and and uh, the gardens um, are, are becoming more expensive. So the average cost of a, a, a garden could be anywhere for £100,000 because you need hard tracks for wheelchairs and beds, etc., uh, for I mean, these children. I mean, some of these um, really seriously ill children are actually wheeled out in their bed into the open air to Indeed hear the are. birds and run their yeah. fingers through water and things. I mean, it's... Oh, it's fantastic. The therapy of, of gardening for these children who can't speak in many ways, and they are all mostly, well, they are terminally ill, to see their reaction to feeling water, to feeling plants, to smelling them, to listening to birds, as you say, is quite, quite magical. And uh, it's quite a, a great thing to be part of that. I remember I was up in Stockton-Octees. We were opening an extension of a garden there, and I met this lady who was some, doing some gardening. I was walking around the garden, and I said to her, I said, you, you must be a great help to them here, helping with the garden. And, this and she said, I come here every week, she said. My daughter died here, and I get great pleasure coming back to be with my daughter. Now, that is such a story that you, you know, you can't, if that can't move you, you've got a, st a heart of stone, I think. And John, you have some really exciting news to take the charity into even greater public awareness um, at the Chelsea Flower Show this coming Indeed May. we have. Yeah. We were very fortunate. We had a lovely lady who has run tea parties and goodness knows what and raised a lot of money for us. Um, and she came to us and she said, I'd love to sponsor a garden at Chelsea Flower Show to try and lift your image if that would be any help. And so we were so pleased that she's quite anonymous, but lovely family. And so we will be there on Main Avenue and we have a, a, a great uh, design for this garden. And um, we're really looking forward to 
growing the brand, which is very much like I grew. I approach Green Fingers as I did with uh, Miracle Grow. You know, it's a brand, and we have to grow that brand and get it known by people. And the support from people as we grow will bring more funds in, hopefully, and we'll be able to um, design and build more gardens for children's hospices. But, John, uh, I've seen an outline of what's planned it's on two levels and there's a lift isn't there which that's right i mean lifts are going to become increasingly important in gardens for old people as well as for terminally or young people isn't it it could be absolutely could be a very interesting design i think it will be Uh, i'll be fascinated and the summer somebody said it's driven my water I, i don't know i've not i've not seen it in action i don't know whether it's actually built yet but Anyway, it'll be a fascinating thing, and you're very welcome to, to join us on the stand, Peter, uh, when, when, uh, on press day and onwards. John, thank you very much for joining us today and, and for all that you're doing for uh, disabled children. You know, it's a fantastic charity and all strength to your elbow. Great to speak to you. Thank you, Peter, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Now my thought for the week... Uh, comes from the Garden Centre Conference and it was a quote from a senior army officer and he told us the standard you walk past is the standard you accept that's quite a statement isn't it you know sometimes when uh, we see things which we don't like the dropping of litter comes immediately to mind We just walk past and accept it. Takes a bit of spirit to uh, not walk past. So I'll leave that thought with you. The standard you walk past is the standard you accept. My thanks to Westland Horticulture, sponsors of this podcast. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.